This is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art, Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. Hi, Uncle Brad. How are you? Hi, Jules. I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about the zombie today because, mm-hmm. Brad, if I know you by now, if I have just known you so well on this podcast and in my personal life, I know that you are the king of tiki in my life. I do love tiki, though. Yeah. Yeah, you are the tiki guy. Every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh, I love tiki, but I got a guy who loves it even more, and that's (laughs) Uncle Brad. I got to tell you, the thing with tiki, it's like, it's a vibe, right? And I think we've talked about this in episodes past, but you know, like it's a vibe, man. And I wished I, actually, I don't wish, I, I still wish, so not past tense, but present. I still wish I was around in like the 50s and 60s, even the 40s. Hell, you know what? Let's go. I wish I was there when tiki was invented in the 30s. Oh, man. But this idea of like the backyard luau that, mm-hmm. you know, people in the 50s and 60s started getting into with the tiki culture and like the music. Yeah, no. And honestly, it's just good freaking vibes every oh, time. Man. If you go into a tiki bar with bad vibes, that's a red flag. Because every time I go in there, quite literally, my worries just are back at the door. Like I walk through, they're gone. Yeah, that's the whole idea. So give me the the black socks, sandals, shorts, and a Hawaiian shirt. I'm there, man. I dig me some tiki. And so we've done one of the classics that I feel like everybody knows, the Mai Tai. We've also Mm -hmm. covered the Pina Colada, but I feel like the zombie is also really high up in the ranks for like classic tiki. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the zombie is one of the OGs Mm -hmm. in the canon of tiki cocktails. And this is tiki's answer to the Long Island iced tea. I mean, Mm. this sucker packs (laughs) three, the equivalents of three drinks in one. Jesus. Because there's so much alcohol in it. Look, it's rum forward, okay? So you definitely taste rum. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is spicy, like spice forward, not spicy, like hot, but think Caribbean spices. Think anytime you've ever been on a vacation in Florida or somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico, and you like are drinking that pina colada with the rum float on top. It's like that sans the coconut and pineapple. This drink is not for the faint of heart, but it is a classic tiki flavor. And don't they limit you too? Yeah, that's what they say. That's what they say. This is the mender of broken dreams. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's also what they say. (laughs) And they always serve this in like one of those zombie cups. So I feel like your challenge this week is to go and thrift or find a cocktail store that has a zombie mug. Because that's that's pro right there. Yeah, I mean, a tall glass, the original drink was served in like a tall, they call it a chimney glass, which is just basically a Collins glass, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a larger volume, bigger than a highball glass, mm-hmm. right? And that's all you need. So if you don't have a t- I mean, hell, you want to put this in like a low ball, you want to put this in a solo cup, go for it. But yeah. extra points if you want to zhuzh it up a little bit with a, with a tiki mug. Okay, well, Brad, I kind of want to switch uh, things up in this intro. Are you, are you cool with that? I'm totally cool with that. I've like half a zombie in. Okay. I'm cool with about anything right now. So I was thinking, why don't we... Talk about, is there anything this weekend that you drank? Did you go to a cocktail bar? What what were you drinking this weekend? I just, I think it's fun to ask every week what your cocktail of the week was. Oh, well, yeah, I was sailing. So I was up Mm. on Lake Superior in the Apostle Islands and we were drinking a variety of things. And so the friends that we went with, the Whitmers, they brought something called a pea picker, which is vodka and like limeade. And I guess that's a drink from the farm that Kim Whitmer's grew up on. (laughs) That sounds easy. Yeah, it was easy. And then I brought up like literally, don't be underwhelmed, but I brought up a big bottle of tequila. Okay. And I brought up some squirt and I just made palomas using squirt and tequila. 
Yes. And then I also had a bottle of pre-mixed old fashioned that the people at Dashfire actually gave me. And that was pretty awesome. Damn. And copious amounts of beer. Yeah, beer always. But I kid you not, the batched old fashions, I did that once. Those are freaking awesome. It's ready to go. Yeah, so ran out of your freezer door old fashioned and mm-hmm. just happened to have this bottle of Dashfire, which I got to tell you, anytime you talk about pre-made cocktails, I get a little bit nervous. Right. It was awesome. Really, really good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, me this weekend. Yeah, what were you drinking, Jules? Tell me. Mm. I was at a music festival, which I'm getting too old for. I'm tired, but we were listening to music, getting ready to go to the festival. And I'm like, okay, everyone's going to be expecting me to make drinks. What do I make? So I was just making, I grabbed a bottle of Mezcal, bottle of Campari, sweet vermouth. Our hotel had a fridge. I put the vermouth in the fridge. I was making Mezcal Negronis all weekend. Nice. Yeah. How'd that treat you? Oh my, I loved it. I was like, wow, this is so much better than anything else I could have made. I I brought ingredients for making margaritas. I brought like real limes and all. I didn't have a knife. You know, it's just, it's too tough. So I was just making Mezcal Negronis and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, when you are on the road, you as in anybody who's listening and you, Jules, Mm -hmm. including me, it's like, Obviously, what we're doing, people expect us to kind of whip out some great cocktails. And I forgot, I also brought a batched tequila old-fashioned that I had uh, sitting around. So, I, yeah, I had, I had some options this weekend. Yeah. But batching, I think, ahead of time is great if you can, or three-ingredient drinks. Anything yeah. you got to squeeze juice into kind of gets tough because you need night. It's ambitious. You think you're going to do it. Even me. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Never did. I mean, come on, really? Unless yeah. you have a knife rollout with all your knives, but it's like your cocktail tools and like you're really set. Then, yeah. okay. That's not something you're bringing to the airport though. <laughs> no, no. I mean, really, truly. So that's what I was doing this weekend. Okay, so today, everybody, we're making the zombie. I'm making a riff on the zombie, which I will tell you is, think of a daiquiri and a little mezcal. You know, I don't want to give too much away, right? And then, Brad, are you going into the history of the zombie? Are you doing a little tiki history? Yeah, you know, a little little of both, because you can't talk about the history of the zombie without talking about tiki. So right. we'll talk a little bit about both. And okay. specifically today, we are going into Don Beach's zombie recipe because he is 1,000% the inventor. Thank God for Don. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay. And then we have a tip today, which is going to kind of be about absinthe. I know a little curveball there, but I'm using it in mine. Brad, you're using Pernod in yours. And I think let's just have a little chit chat about it and, and start using it again because I had to dust off the cobwebs of my bottle. So, yeah, I've got bottles back there collecting a lot of dust. Absinthe is an old friend that comes out every once in a while. You have a great time together. Yes, you do. But then you say, huh. Uh, I'll see you later, my friend. Spend some time apart. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, that is what we're doing today. So, Brad, let's walk everybody through this amazing zombie cocktail. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. All right, how do we make this freaking zombie? Zombie. (laughs) Yeah, nothing like an old Irish anger in a song, right? All right, you want to make a zombie? Let me tell you how to make a zombie. Jules, Okay. I think I said it a moment ago, and I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Don Beach Don. is the inventor of this cocktail. And I am using Don Beach's recipe, yes. which was lost to time oh. after he died. Oh. His recipe died with him. Yikes. But someone found somebody who had a little something, and in that something had Don's recipe and what was inside of it. Wow. Yeah, when we talk about the history, it's interesting. Yeah, wait, I want to learn more. Yeah, it's interesting the lengths that Don went to protect his recipes. So, wow. fortunately, we've got the recipe here now, and I'm going to share that with you with the advice that, just like the zombie, the Mai Tai, the old-fashioned, all these other cocktails that got invented— not that the old fashions a tiki drink, it's not. The bars kind of started developing their own versions. And bars started developing their own versions of the zombie because 
nobody knew how Don made his. And so they tried to kind of reverse engineer it. So if you look up a zombie recipe, there are many, 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 many zombie recipes out there. Yeah, I saw that. We're going with the OG. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make changes from there, by all means, go for it. Okay. Make changes. Play with the rums. Play with the simple syrups. Do what you want. But here we go. We're starting from base here. So in the zombie, you've got cinnamon, simple syrup, and something called Don's Mix. You can't make Don's Mix without cinnamon, simple syrup. So let's first talk about how that's made. Okay. You take one cup of water jewels, one cup of sugar, three cinnamon sticks, Mm -hmm. and you crush them or you break them up. They kind of break up pretty easily unless you got ones that are like ancient. Actually, if they're ancient, they might break up even more, but then you don't have any flavor. So go get some fresh cinnamon sticks. Yeah, get some freshies. And so now you're breaking those up and you're putting that in the pan and all the ingredients go into a saucepan and you're going to bring that to a boil while you're stirring, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to a boil... You're going to reduce the heat and you're going to simmer that for about three minutes. After you're done simmering, you're going to remove it from the heat completely. And then you're going to let it cool to room temperature. And you're going to pour that mixture through a strainer so you don't have cinnamon bits hanging out in your simple syrup, making the flavor more and more intense. And you're going to strain that into an airtight container and refrigerate. And if you want to have it for a little while, add a little vodka to it and it'll it'll kind of fortify it. But you're probably going to go through this stuff pretty quick. I'm also discovering that simple syrups, like the honey syrup we made for the bee's knees, the cinnamon simple syrup, it's great on plain yogurt. Oh my God. I know. Or yeah. honestly, Brad, in your coffee. Ooh, yeah. Cinnamon simple syrup would go well in there. Hello, Gumna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, we have made our simple syrup. Now we got to go make the Don's mix, Jules. Mm-hmm. So you're going to grab a fresh grapefruit and you are going to juice that grapefruit. And let me tell you that Don's mix is two parts grapefruit to one part cinnamon simple syrup. Oh, okay. So however much you want to make, it's two parts to one part. You're only going to use a half ounce of the Don's mix. So in my case, like I made an ounce of the grapefruit juice and then a half ounce of the cinnamon syrup, threw that into a little container, swirled it around, and that's what I used for my... Don's mix, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make it much larger than that? Go for it. But remember, you're using grapefruit juice. It's not like you want to make it and then hang on to it for days and weeks. You want to kind of use fresh juice. All right, Jules, you're also going to make grenadine if you haven't. And by the way, if you haven't this made is, grenadine. Yeah, this is going to shock people, Brad. Yeah, this is super like, dude, make your own grenadine. Don't buy the stuff in the, the bottle that's like bright red. So easy to make. A lot of people don't even know how, like, what it's using. I, I can't wait for you to say what the ingredient is. Yeah, pomegranate juice mm-hmm. is what the ingredient is in grenadine. Mm-hmm. So, two cups of one hundred percent pomegranate juice, or if you want to half this re- recipe, you can use a cup and half of everything I say from here on out. I will use a lot of grenadine because I make a lot of drinks, and so if you're going to make drinks, Shirley Temple's, whatever it is. Make a good, healthy amount of grenadine. Two cups, 100% pomegranate juice, one cup sugar, one tablespoon of lemon juice. Mm -hmm. You're going to combine that in a saucepan over medium heat, and you're going to stir that sugar so it's dissolving. And as the edges of the liquid begin to bubble, then you you take it off the heat. So don't bring this to a boil. You're just going to let the edges bubble. Once that bubbles, you're going to remove it from the heat and you're going to let it cool to room temperature, pour a new mixture, airtight container. Yeah. And let it go in the fridge. All right. Now, let's get on to making the zombie. And yeah, I mean, this drink is a little bit involved, but dude, seriously, More if you're going to play it. around in the world of tiki, just do it. All yeah, right. Agree. You got a lime, you're going to juice that lime because you're going to need three quarter ounce mm-hmm. of fresh lime juice, and you're going to put that in a blender. And then you're going to take a half ounce of falernum, velvet falernum, and you can put that in the blender. And one and a half ounces of Puerto Rican gold rum. In this case, I used Bacardi gold rum. And that goes in the blender. Then you're going to go with one and a half ounces of dark Jamaican rum. You can use Myers. I like the plantation. Mm-hmm. Myers is great. 
Use the dark rum that speaks to you. Jamaican dark rum. Must be Jamaican. There's a very specific flavor profile to Jamaican. And by the way, Puerto Rican rum is a very specific style of that too. Mm-hmm. Now, next, hold on to your lug nuts. It is one ounce of 151 oh, Demerara rum. Jesus. Lemon Heart is a great brand to look for. They're 151 Demerara rum. It's not everywhere. So go to a place where you know that maybe they have some more of the unique rums. It's been around forever. So what that means is it's 151 proof, right? This isn't something you want to throw in a Coke and hammer it back. You could, I guess, if you want, but yikes. (laughs) Careful. Yeah, no, this is, well, you're not messing around with this one. No, like I said, this thing comes at you, right? Mm -hmm. So then we've got a teaspoon of grenadine and then six drops of Pernod, and it looks like Pernod. Pernod is a anise-flavored liqueur, and it is what replaced absinthe when they outlawed absinthe. And Mm -hmm. so Pernod stepped up, made something that tasted like absinthe, but wasn't made with wormwood. Yeah. So that's why we're talking about absinthe in this episode later too. We're gonna add a dash of Angostura, and then one half ounce of Dawn's mix, and then you are going to add three quarter cup of crushed ice. And it is very important that you follow these measurements exactly because one, that's how the drink was intended to be. But two, to get the drink to taste the right way and people spent time, specifically Tom Beach, altering this mixture right. so it tastes a very specific way and this drink became popular for a reason, mm-hmm. use exact measurements. So don't try to eyeball a teaspoon, which is an eighth of an ounce. Don't try to eyeball a quarter of an ounce, you know, using a half ounce jigger. Like use the specific measurements, okay? Right, yeah. And if you ever want to know what the conversions are, look up the conversions between fluid ounces and cups and teaspoons and and tablespoons. Okay, so meanwhile, hopefully you've had your Collins glass being chilled and you are going to then fill that Collins glass up about halfway with ice because you're only blending this drink for three to five seconds. And the reason why you're only blending it for three to five seconds is because that's the way Don said to do it. And Mm -hmm. that's the way he did his drinks because the crushed ice will cool the drink. It fluffs the drink up, but it won't dilute. So then you're gonna take it from the blender. You're gonna pour it into your glass with ice. So you're kind of, you know, you're preventing a lot of dilution from happening here. And then you're gonna garnish it with a mint sprig. And there you have the OG zombie recipe, the one that made the cocktail famous. Like this is this is what made people nuts in Hollywood. Do you think you could batch this or do you think no way? That's a really good question. And I think you might be able to, but what concerns me about this drink is that you've got lime juice in there right. and you got Don's mix, which is using grapefruit juice. Mm-hmm. It's not a ton, right, compared to the rest of the drink, but we know that the citrus juices just, they change over time. So I don't know how fortified this was. Would be, I I don't know. I've never tried batching it, but you want to give it a shot and let me know how Shoot. it goes. Go for I it. I mean, I wonder if you could even clarify it. There's so much booze in here and I don't know. Well, for starters, of course you could clarify this drink. And yeah. that's a hell of an idea. Right? I I'm going to clarify this drink now. Oh, wow. Right? Doesn't that sound like way, no offense. Like I know a lot of people are like, oh, clarifying so hard. I'm like, it sounds way easier. And I think because it keeps longer, especially with drinks that use like tiki drinks with the fresh citrus. You're like, if you're going to batch it, you have to make it, you know, a couple hours before you're going to serve it. If you clarify it, you can have it for a long time. Yeah, man. Let me tell you, that clarifying is all right in my book. Yeah, damn, Brad, that sounds delicious and so boozy. Oh, yeah. I'm not mad about it, though. Okay, well, mine is a little riff. It's not as involved as Brad's, but uh, it's not very good. Essentially, I said at the top of the episode, I kind of wanted to make a riff that was still tiki, but a little bit elevated. So I had a daiquiri in mind. So this is daiquiri-esque because it's served up. And we're using a little mezcal because there's something with me with riffing tiki drinks. One of my favorite ways to riff tiki drinks, and this is a good thing to note, 
if you want to make an easy riff on almost any tiki, and they have like two rums, like a white rum and a dark rum, keep the dark rum and switch that white rum for like a mezcal. I mean, that's like my favorite way mm. to riff. I think it just works so well. But hey, if you don't like it, don't do it. But Brad, I know you're fond of mezcal now, so. <laughs> I'm, yeah, well, I'm, 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 way. I'm on the mezcal bus. I'm in the front seat, Yeah, right? But I'm on the mezcal bus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in front for, seat meaning like I'm ready to get off if I get a bad bump. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know your exits. Yeah, you know your exits are my, strategy. I know my yeah. exits. Yeah, it's important. Okay, well, for mine, really easy. I'm going to walk you through it. One of the things we're going to do, step one, is we're going to do an absinthe rinse to our coupe glass. Now, if you're wondering what that is, you're going to put a couple drops of absinthe in your glass, and you're just going to swirl it around until it coats the whole inside of your glass. And then once... It's coated. You could either take a sip of what's left in there. You can toss it down the sink, whatever you want to do. The other thing you can do, which you could save towards the end, is you can get an atomizer. I think that those are what those are called. Atomizer? Yeah. And you can just spritz the absinthe mm -hmm. on top of your cocktail. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So you can do one of two ways. But we're going to do the rinse first and then chill our glass. And so put that in the freezer it's important because this is a boozy cocktail. You're not going to get the dilution from the ice in your glass like you would in Brad's, say, with the highball and all the ice. So you really want your glass cold to make sure that your cocktail stays cold. So once you have that in your freezer to chill, grab your cocktail shaker out, tin on tin, and you're going to add in an ounce and a half of aged rum. I use the Appleton Estate Rum. It's like candy to me. I think it's so freaking yeah. delicious. Mm. I do love it. Oh, man. And then you're going to do three quarters of an ounce of mezcal, a half ounce of the falernum. Then I did, just to kind of make it easier on everybody, just kind of depends on your preference, you could do Brad's Dawn's mix. Or what I did is I just did a half ounce of cinnamon syrup because I already had it. But then I also added in about a half ounce of fresh grapefruit juice just because that was easier hmm. and for me just because I had both and I didn't want to like do a whole thing. So you could do that as an option. And then a half ounce of lime juice. I did a teaspoon of grenadine and then I added ice. I gave it a really good shake because you want the dilution in here. And then I double strained into that coupe glass. Now I have these cute little wood clothespins that I got off Amazon. And I put a little clothespin of fresh mint sprig on the side of my glass. So when I sipped it, you can still get the fresh mint in there. But just garnish with like maybe a leaf or maybe a fresh citrus wheel. But truly, I think the clothespin is just like the step up and, and you get the whole aroma. But there you have it. I don't really have a name for this one, but maybe it's the, uh, I don't know, Brad, what would you call this one? A, a mez, a zom, hmm. Yeah, let's workshop this for a second, Jules. What would we call this one? We would call it, see, we got mezcal and it's a zombie rift. So we got- uh, Served up. I'm the worst with names. I'm like the mezcal zombie in a coop. <laughs> hmm. Well, it turns out, the Spanish translation for zombie is zombie. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> El zombie. The Oaxacan zombie. Ooh, you know what? We could just kind of just do whatever we want here. Let's call it the la zamba. Because the la zamba. La zamba. Yeah, because you invented it. Okay. And that's the feminine, uh, la zamba. I like it. Zamba. Okay, great. Well, that's Joan my cocktail. Jules makes the lazamba. Ooh, all yeah, right. Not as boozy as the traditional, but I think it has plenty of booze in there to uh, have a have a good time. I'm okay with that. Having yeah. a good time with the lazamba. Lazamba. Well, should we talk about the history? Should we talk about the history? Yeah, we should talk about the history. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I feel like you got a lot to talk about. Yeah. All right. Let's get Let's into do it. it. So Brad, for those who are listening, every week we have a Google Doc that we share. We put his recipe in, my recipe in, and, and I can look while he's talking. What I've started to notice is Brad has stopped putting in his paragraphs of history notes that I used to read so I could be in the know while he's telling his story. Brad, 
I feel le- now I'm like, I totally have to pay attention. I can't get sidetracked and, and, and skip ahead. I'm like locked in now. Jules. Was that on purpose? Did you notice yeah. that I yep. was reading ahead? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted your full and undivided attention. Jeez. Plus, you know what? I like to see what uh, white might surprise you and what might not. I, you know, I want the genuine reactions here. Wow. Then I get yeah. scared because I'm like, what if you ask me something and I can't like- I will <sighs> never ask you something that will embarrass you. I promise. Okay. Well, I'm in the dark just like everybody else now. So I'm excited for our history lesson because I have no idea where it's going. Well, here we go, Jules. I alluded to a little bit of this throughout the episode. We've dropped Don Beach's name now enough that you know that he was the inventor. Right. And in episode six, the Mai Tai episode, we Mm kind of gave you some background of this guy as well as his fierce competitor, Victor Bergeron, Trader Vic. Let me hum a few more bars about one Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, otherwise known as Don Beach. Donnie. So Don Beach, back when he was Ernest, he grew up on his grandfather's ship and they were running rum from Jamaica to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. This is back during Prohibition. And this is how he got his reputation for being a bootlegger. And I'm sure he carried the knowledge that he gained smuggling rum which may have started out legitimate and then prohibition comes along and then maybe start doing it legally. Or maybe he did it legally all along. I didn't get right. that far in the history. Doesn't really matter. The guy ran rum. Okay, yeah. so hey, end of story. We don't there. judge. We're not a rat, right? So Right. We ain't no rats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don Beach, which is, I'm just not going to call him Ernest, just for the no. sake of keeping He's things Don. easy. Don Beach, you know, he changed his name to Don Beach, by the way, to get away from that persona, right? Like Mm -hmm. he changed his name because because of that bootlegger past. So he spent time on other ships too. In addition to going between Jamaica and Nolens, he was also on ships that went from the United States to Hawaii to Sydney and then island hopped around the South Pacific. So this gave him two things, these experiences. First, a love for rum, Mm -hmm. and second, a collection of really interesting artifacts and treasures from the South Pacific. So in 1933, after the repeal of Prohibition, he rents out a former tailor shop that's inside a hotel, and this is in Hollywood, California, and he opens a 25-seat bar called Don the Beachcombers. Mm -hmm. And this was the very first tiki bar because this guy invented tiki. Right. There's no debate about who invented Tiki. It was Don Beach. And he eventually moves the restaurant across the street to a bigger place that has a kitchen. So now he's got a bar and a restaurant now. Okay. So he moves the bar across the street. He's got a kitchen. Now he's got a bar and a restaurant. So it is said that Charlie Chaplin and Groucho Marx had a set of engraved chopsticks that were kept in a glass case at Don Beach Covers. Mm Mm-hmm. He did all kinds of cool things, like filling the place with all of the different artifacts that he had collected throughout his travels through the South Pacific. And we're talking like ritual masks. And so think about those masks that you see that have the scary faces on them to scare away the the evil spirits. Right. Long leaf-shaped shields and spears, miniature sculptures and cargo netting and stuff that looks like it should belong on a ship. So like navigation lights, the red and green lights, and all kinds of fun things and Mm -hmm. flotations and bobbers and whatnot. And he also made up a food menu that he just crafted and called it Polynesian food. So we're talking like poo-poo platters. And ramaki was something Mm -hmm. that he invented. And so he develops this cuisine. And his cocktail menu was filled with a variety of rum and tropical fruit juices. And this cocktail menu got to be big and he literally takes all this stuff and this is what invents the tiki vibe because it leans on escapism. It leans on the desire to be distracted from Mm -hmm. reality. And by the way, at the time, you had the Great Depression going on. You had Prohibition, which just ended. I mean, people wanted to get away, but maybe they couldn't afford to get away, right? Or didn't have the time to go take a steamship across the ocean and go visit the South Pacific Islands. So he creates this alternate reality that people could literally go on a vacation when they visit his bar. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that he used to go back and forth to Jamaica running rum. 
on his grandfather's ship. One of the things that he encountered in Jamaica was a 200-year-old recipe called Planter's Punch. You've heard of Planter's Punch. It is not a tiki drink, but it is the foundation that inspired many, many tiki cocktails for Don Beach. One of those cocktails being the zombie. Mm. So Don created the zombie for a regular who was like super hungover, right? This guy walks in. He needs to knock the dust off from the night before. Hair of the and dog. He's got, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like big time hair of the dog, like full on like dog's coat in his <laughs> yeah. mouth. And he makes this drink to kind of get him right before he, <laughs> this guy has a business meeting, right? Right. <laughs> Life back then, man. Perfect. So yeah. it's like 1934, by the way. So the guy drinks the drink and a few days later, Don runs into it. May have been the next day, may have been that afternoon, who knows? But Using the planter's punch recipe as his foundation, he tweaks the recipe a little bit, started to work his magic, serves this guy this hard-hitting rum hammer, and he asks the guys like, hey, man, probably not quite like that, but let's just use Brad's yeah. vernacular. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> How was that drink I, I served you? The guy says, I felt like the living dead. It made a zombie out of me. Mm. Boom. The name is born. So... The drink, I mean, obviously the guy liked it, so he puts it on the menu and the drink becomes really popular. Yeah. And Don's kind of a smart marketer, right? So he puts it on the menu. However, he gives the drink a narrative and all his drinks had a narrative, right? Mm -hmm. The narrative on the drink was the zombie, a mender of broken dreams. And to add a little bit of mystery or danger to the drink, mm -hmm. something that would want you to like, well, for sure, I got to try this because he also said in a notation, only two allowed per customer. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would make me want, I'd be like, only two. Well, I want one. Well, and I can tell you, I am three quarters of the way through this drink. Brother, sister, I feel Oof. it, niece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean- Holy booze. Also, holy hair of the dog. Why haven't I thought of that? Having the hair of the dog after a, a big night out? Well, I mean, if I, I mean, needed like, you know. Mary, dude. No, I don't know. Maybe for me, it's a zombie. Well, I mean, you know, look. <laughs> My game might have just been changed. Yeah, you and I both know what a little drinking in the morning might do for you if you are really hungover, like... And for those of you that don't know, not that this is medical advice. No. It's not even good advice. It's not good advice. If, <laughs> if you're pretty hungover and you just need to get right to make it through the day, have yourself a couple of stiff drinks because yeah. that just puts you back where you're at. Yeah. Now, it just prolongs the shit feeling you're going to have. <laughs> yeah, there's but, no way out of it for sure. And not great advice if you've got to do something important that day or I don't know, like if fly you need a plane, to get right. drive a car. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. But man, how booze forward. Yeah, I mean, you want to keep the party going? Hey. Little, uh, little wake and drink instead of the wake See, and bake. See, I think this could be a good party <laughs> starter. Like you have one at the beginning, like that's the Holy first thing you serve your crap. guests. Yeah. And then you serve them, you know, something a little, you know, like, I don't know, because you definitely wouldn't want this to be a nightcap. I mean, do you? It depends, right? Like, you got people <laughs> coming over and it's gonna, you're doing a little dinner party. If you don't want faces in soup bowls, like, I wouldn't yeah. start here if you're gonna serve more cocktails. <laughs> yeah, I guess, because I feel like this one goes down easy because it does. It tastes so freaking good. It does, but it arrives pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not disappointed. Yeah. You know me, right? And you've seen my backyard and you like to know we entertain. Hell yeah, I'm going to serve some people some zombies when they come Hell over. Yeah. I might start with something gentle. Sure. And then we'll like, let's do a zombie, right? And then let's quickly eat. Or let's eat and then do a zombie. Or that might, let me yeah. send you out the door. You're walking home or you're getting in the Uber, but like, let's have a little zombie before you get there and you can beat the buzz home and then yeah. just ride the roller coaster when you lay down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. God. What were but we talking this about? Is, this is a good one. <laughs> no, just the zombie making a zombie right. out of you. 
Well, let me uh, let me get let me get back to the story. Let me get back okay. to the matter at hand. So, all right. So Don's a good marketer, right? So he creates this narrative, creates the danger notice, and then here's the other thing that kind of made it interesting to people. He keeps the recipe a secret, but it wasn't just this recipe that he kept secret, Jules. It was really all his recipes he kept secret or tried to keep secret because he had patrons and employees who would basically bring those recipes someplace else. Yeah. And back then, you know, your edge was your uniqueness and Tiki was very unique and people fast followed. Trader Vic jumped on that bus right away. And so now he's got some competition up north in Northern California. People are bringing these recipes with them and trying to recreate this stuff and recreate their own versions of Tiki drinks which this is where the Tiki mug actually comes from. It didn't start with Don Beach. Tiki mugs were like a development. Somebody's like, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to put these drinks in like something kind of cool, like a yeah. like a skull or a coconut or whatever. So totally, these drinks were all served in just regular old glasses. Okay, can I say, I think this is my own guess. I kind of think one of the reasons why they did that is because maybe it's me personally. I always think the crushed ice always just kind of makes your drink look bad. I don't know. So maybe they wanted to like hide it. Maybe, or I mean, how fun is it to drink out of a coconut? It gives you those escape vibes. Yeah, like a, and I'm using the wrong term, but you know what I mean when I say totem pole. No, what does that mean? Yeah, you know those, those like, like they're like stacked up, the, the, oh, the different oh, faces oh, and stuff oh, that are stacked yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, like in the tiki room, yeah. Anyway, so Don keeps this stuff a secret. And it is so secret that when you sit at the bar, you don't see labels on the liquor bottles. What you see are numbers. Right. Don numbered all of his bars and all of his and all of his liquors and all of his juices. And the bartenders only knew the combination of numbers to make the drink, Damn. not what was in the bottle. That's sneaky. I know. He only trusted a few, if not like less than a few key employees with what was in the bottles because somebody had to fill that. He couldn't be there 24-7, right? So how then was the secret unlocked? Right. Nobody knew what was in Don's original zombie recipe and that recipe died with him. But other people invented their version of the zombie trying to, again, unravel Don's. And so when you look at other zombie recipes, some of them might be heavy on the grapefruit juice or mm -hmm. the passion fruit syrup, which passion fruit syrup doesn't even like, it's not even here. And grapefruit right. juice is like minimally incorporated into Don's original recipe, which is kind of mm -hmm. why I like it because it's really, really spirit forward and not super juice heavy. Right. So this guy dies, but he's got one of his employees by the name of Dick Santiago, who has a black book that he kept from when he worked at Don Beach, the Beachcombers. No way. And it's got all of the different codes and like the, what was in the Don's mix and whatnot. And this guy by the name of Jeff Beachbum Berry, and so his name's Jeff Berry. Now he's got the nickname Beachbum Berry, and he's known as the Indiana Jones of tiki drinks. And by the way, <laughs> if you want a great book uh -huh. on tiki and all of these different tiki recipes and tiki history, I got Beachbum Berry's remixed book here, and it is a collection, a gallery of tiki drinks Ooh. and the backstory on this tiki history. So great book if you're into the tiki thing or you want to get into the tiki thing, like yeah. that's a great place to start. So this guy meets Dick Santiago, gets the black book, cracks the code, dude, that was like 2009. No. Yeah. No way. Holy, this Don was really going to take it to the grave. Uh, he did take it to the grave. Damn. 100% took it to Damn. the grave. Damn, But That's now insane. we've got access to Don's recipes. And by the way, thankfully so. Like, why not relive history? This right. is the thing that put Tiki on the map. You want to know what, like, Tiki drinks drove people mad and crazy back in the day and why it got so popular. Don Beach is the reason. And Trader Vic, by the way, he took that ball and ran it downfield too, right? So right. you got to give props to Trader Vic. 
they say that, you know, was it Don or was it Trader Vic that invented the Mai Tai? Go listen to that episode. That's a debate. But Trader Vic, thank God for Trader Vic because he made right. Tiki cool too. The main difference between the two is Don Beach favors like dark aged rums. Mm -hmm. Trader Vic likes lighter rums. So if you're going to see Trader Vic recipes, they're going to be lighter rums where Don's is darker rums. Wow. That's pretty cool. That was a cool history lesson. I liked that. I liked that. I'm glad you liked it. Our friend Don, who created the zombie. Good old Don. Don Beach. Interesting man. Well, cool, Brad. I really like that one. Yeah. Let's talk about something else that'll make you stand up and shout. Absinthe. Oh, <laughs> that's another high alcohol. All right. Let's get into the absinthe tips. All right, Jules. All right. I am approaching soused on this drink. <laughs> I skipped lunch. Soused. I dove right into a zombie. Sousy. Well, I'm so glad you are running this tip section because I just want to kick back and listen and comment. <laughs> kick back, listen. I'm not going to take too much of everybody's time. I believe, Brad, we talked about absinthe before. We've touched on it, yeah. Yeah, and here, before I get into actual tips, which I kind of want to tell you what absinthe is, how we can use it, yada, yada, yada. Brad, I want to give you some of my knowledge, and I want you to correct me because I don't know if it's right. From my understanding, the reason why absinthe got a bad rap, and by bad rap, I mean people thought that it made you hallucinate and see the green fairy, right? Mm -hmm. From my understanding, it was because of the wine industry in France. And what happened, from my understanding, is the aphids came over and killed the French root stalks for the wine and killed the crop. There was no more wine. So then everyone turned to absinthe and absinthe became very popular. Once the wine industry kind of made its way back, they grew new crops, all of that, they started to slander and take down the good name of absinthe because they wanted people to start drinking wine again, which is why they made claims that it was bad for you, it made you hallucinate, you shouldn't drink it. And I think at one point they made it illegal. It certainly was illegal to bring over to the United States, right? Is that is that in any way true? One more thing I'd add to that. Okay. Somebody <laughs> murdered his wife <gasps> and he was drunk on absinthe. And oh, that's right. winemakers grabbed that story and ran with it. That's and right. that is the thing that was the pin in the balloon that absinthe became illegal, by the way, until like 2000 and something. Jules. Right. Yeah. Right. So absinthe was illegal because oh. of that story. And the winemakers, all the winemakers were doing is like, shit. Everybody's really loving drinking absinthe and nobody drinks wine anymore. We got to kill this absinthe thing. Yeah. Okay, so I got that kind of right. You did. Wow. Yeah, I tell my friends that. So thank God I'm not just, you know, full of it. But yeah, I always think that that is just so interesting that it was so popular. And then I think because it was illegal, they started making pastis, right? It was pastis kind of Pastis and Pernod. Yeah, Pernod yeah. stepped up and filled the void of that flavor of absinthe, uh -huh. by the way. For those of you who haven't had pastis or Pernod, they're both anise-flavored liqueurs, yellow. When I go to France, I will order a little pastis, sometimes before my meal, sometimes after my meal. And it comes to you in a glass, a tall glass, with a glass of ice or ice water. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you take your ice water and you slowly add it to your glass that just contains the Pernod or absinthe, I'm sorry, or pastis, you can do it with absinthe too, by the way. So yep. same concept here. What, what's really cool is it starts to become opaque. It goes from a clear yellow liquid to an opaque yellow liquid. And you can kind of adjust the level of that anise flavor. And I think you can actually ask for soda water too. So they'll give you a little Absolutely. soda water bottle, a little glass of ice, and then you'll have like a small pour because again, this is high proof. And so you can really make it. I love that. I love ordering that when you're at a French cafe or whatever it is. And you can add as much ice, as much soda water as you really want. But fair warning, 
it is a certain taste that you are either fond of or you're not, or you acquire the taste. If you don't like black licorice, you don't like absinthe. (sighs) Stay away, yeah. But I will say, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on absinthe as our tip, if you don't like absinthe, I still think it's a great thing to have in your bar cart, invest in a good one, because just a little bit, whether it's rinsing your glass or spritzing your glass, it does create a great flavor rather yeah. than just sipping. So with that, I'm going to kind of run into my tip, which is first things first, what is absinthe? So absinthe is an overproof spirit with, like Brad said, a bitter anise flavor. It comes from a mix of herbs, including fennel, and of course, wormwood, which is kind of what made people think that it had hallucinogenic properties was because of the mm-hmm. wormwood. No, no, no. I will mind you that, and I don't know if I can say this on this podcast, the amount of absinthe you would have to drink would quite literally kill you before you start to hallucinate. Yeah, you're hallucinating because you're hammered versus <laughs> yeah. the wormwood. <laughs> right. Yeah, you would have to drink a lot, and I don't see that really happening. But that's why a lot of people said it had hallucinogenic properties is because of the wormwood. Now, traditionally, it doesn't have added sugars, which is one of the reasons why it has such a strong, harsh flavor, which brings me to how we can use it. So we talked about at the top of this episode with my recipe, you can rinse your glass, you can spritz your glass, and essentially what you're doing is you're heightening your experience of your drink with the aroma and slight flavor, especially if you rinse it over spritzing your glass. It's more so for the flavor rather than the aroma, one or the other. I like the taste, so I like to rinse my glass. So totally up to you how you use it. Now, to sip absinthe is kind of like what Brad talked about with the pastis. Now, I will say this is an investment, but it is a freaking cool one. An absinthe fountain. And I will tell you, I bring this out for Halloween and it is just so freaking cool. It's such a cool experience. And essentially what you're doing is you're filling up this absinthe fountain with ice water. And what you get when you buy it usually is you have these absinthe glasses with what looks like a slotted spoon, but it's like a vintage, really cool slotted spoon. And what you're going to want to do is you grab your glass, you put your spoon on top, and you put sugar cube on top. And then you slowly open up the faucet-type nozzle on the fountain, and you slowly let drip by drip by drip the ice water come down on that ice cube and then fall into your absinthe. There's a bunch of absinthe bars in France that actually will serve it to you with an absinthe fountain. They're the freaking coolest thing. But essentially what you're doing is because usually absinthe won't have added sugars, you're slowly adding in that sugar and water to make it a little bit easier to drink, but to also heighten the flavor of the absinthe. I will tell you, kind of like mezcal, a lot of people, it's crazy to think, but it's not made the same. So there are a lot of different flavors of absinthe within that anise flavor. So you're saying it's kind of like mezcal that it's it's an intense Flavor. Yes, it's intense. And with mezcal, you're like, oh, it's smoky. And it's like, okay, but once you get past that, you'll have some that are more citrus forward, more that are a bit more chocolate, where absinthe is the same way. And my boyfriend and I, Eric, we were in France and we got two different. And it was such a cool experience. It's gnarly, it's harsh, and you sip slowly, but it's yeah. really cool to taste these flavors. And, and that's it's really the trick, fun. right? Like little tiny itty bitty sips and water dilution. And you ice water. Diluting that, a little sugar in there, and just you play with that. And even if you don't like the licorice flavor, like so long as it doesn't like make you fall down on the ground and convulse, I would say you owe it to yourself, especially if you're in France. Like, dude, like go check out one of those absinthe bars. Yes. But play around with it. And it's kind of a fun little ritual thing. And I mean, just challenge yourself to like, because you're going to buy absinthe if you're going to make a Sazerac. We talked about that. You're going to buy absinthe if you're going to make Jules's cocktail. Yeah. There's a lot of cocktails that use absinthe. So it might be kind of fun to play with it a little bit too. And I will say that kind of brings me to, I have my last two points, which is which brands to buy and some substitutions if you can't find any. 
One of my favorite ones to buy that you can buy in the States that I think is made in the United States is St. George's. They even come in a smaller bottle, which is great. They're a great one you can kind of find anywhere. So I always recommend that one. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to have fun with it, there's another brand called Leopold Bros Absinthe, Absentee Absinthe Liqueur. And then there was one, I think it was at maybe Canada. I think it was called Jellyfish Absinthe or there was a jellyfish on that. And so if you start to look or if you're in a place, especially somewhere like France, invest in a cool bottle because it truly is a fun experience. Yeah. But with that, if you can't find any, with some brands and substitutions, you spoke to it already, is Pernod, Pastis, and then Brad, Herbisaint, am I saying that right? Herbisaint? Yeah, that's another that's another substitution for absinthe. But yeah, again, highly recommend you dabble, whether you're spritzing your cocktail, rinsing your glass, or if you just want to have an absinthe tasting. I think you can also, and don't quote me on this, and everybody, please be safe, you can light it on fire, right? As like a, a party. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we're not liable. Don't quote us. You didn't hear it from us. But there you go. Absinthe. Take it lightly. Take it slowly like the zombie, but truly enjoy it because it's worth it and you deserve it. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry, we will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjewels.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jewels or at Favorite Uncle Brad. That's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.